you can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. How in the cornbread hell are you? Thanks for coming by. No, I really mean it. On National Beer Day of all days, you come down here to celebrate with me. I'm touched. Oh, don't you worry, Chester. I've got some real connoisseur shit tonight. Why, any sommelier worth his salt is gonna treat this day with dignity. Come on in, friend. Mmm. That's better. High life, friend. The champagne of beers. Hell, I even got these plastic champagne flutes to keep up appearances. All right, friend, smoke them if you've got them and drink those glasses to the bottom. Because old Drew Blood is your Cicerone of the evening. Oh, hey. I didn't see you there. You know, Drew Blood's Dark Tales is only one of the many shows on this network you could be listening to. We hope you'll subscribe to our entire lineup, including Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, Scary Stories Told in the Dark, Fear from the Heartland, and Horror Hill. All available on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. Also, visit simplyscarypodcast.com to become a patron. For as little as $5 a month, you get our entire catalog ad-free and available to download or stream. A bargain. And now... Back to the show. 
For tonight's story, we join Craig and Lorna fresh off the adventure they had in Season 3, Episode 4, Craig's Chair, in which Craig's fancy new recliner really went to his head. If you haven't heard it, I'll leave a little further ado so you can pause and go listen. Mucho esta bien? Bueno. So, without further, further ado, I bring to you, from author P.D. Williams, Craig's Creature. An all-consuming urge to kill his wife had overtaken Craig. He drifted in an eerie trance, with a rusty hacksaw in one hand and a craftsman screwdriver in the other. Craig and Lorna believed that disposing of the cursed leather chair at the side of the road would put an end to its spell, but the chair had other plans. It would not be denied its desire for blood. Even from its resting place, it still got Craig to do its will. However, it should have checked with Lorna first and saved itself the bother. Despite the stupor brought about by the double shot of NyQuil she had downed earlier, Lorna woke shortly after Craig had left for the shed to gather the murder weapons. It was her God-given right to know what Craig was up to at all times, so she went to investigate. Lorna quickly connected the dots when she spotted the demonic chair had returned to the living room. It meant that soon Craig or something like him would be coming back to end her. But just as you should never bring a knife to a gunfight, you'd be wise to never bring tools to kill a woman of ill temperament who's waiting for you with a toaster in her hands. That was the sound Craig heard before hitting the floor. When he came to, he saw Lorna standing over him, clutching the dented toaster. What? What happened? Craig asked as his fuzzy vision came back into focus. Lorna's eyes blazed with anger. You was sleepwalking, that's what happened. That stupid chair of yours had you sneaking in here with them tools laying over there. Did you honestly think I was just gonna let you saunter in here and kill me in my sleep? What have you got to say for yourself? Gone. Spit it out. Craig looked up at her dumbly. Well, since you're asking, as long as you got the toaster handy, would you mind heating me up a couple of Pop-Tarts? That was Lorna's response to Craig's unfortunate choice of request. The following morning, Craig and Lorna returned to the road where they had dumped the sinister chair, but found it gone. They shuddered at the thought of someone else taking it. A few days later, when they heard about a couple nearby who were victims of a murder-suicide, it confirmed their worst fears. A wave of guilt washed over Lorna. Lordy, Craig, we should have destroyed that thing when we had the chance. Now those poor people are dead. Babe, it wouldn't have made a difference, Craig reassured her. That chair has a soul that's existed for years. Probably only a few have been able to escape its curse. Burning it or destroying it, it don't make no difference. That thing'll never die. Lorna's body slumped with despair and regret, her chin dropping to her chest. I know, but still. Craig had never seen Lorna so vulnerable. It moved them. That's okay, darling. I'll always be here for you. Lorna burst into tears. <laughs> now I'm really depressed. 
For the first couple of weeks after Lorna had recalibrated his brain, Craig dealt with considerable headaches. Queasiness accompanied those, along with mild anal leakage and an unnatural attraction to bovine. He figured he'd always have the deep den in his head, but that didn't mean he couldn't put it to practical use. Craig found a fleshy crater handy for storing small items such as loose change, truck keys, or delicious snacks like salted peanuts and M&Ms. When Lorna came home after a long day of cutting hair at the Snappy Snip, she found Craig watching a Marvel Avengers movie on TV, while scooping salsa out of his skull with a Tostito. She couldn't have been less amused if she had walked in on My Pillow founder Mike Lindell twerking her grandma. She quickly countered the horrific image with a happier one, the members of Maroon 5 being shoved screaming from a hovering helicopter. Once she was emotionally neutral again, she went to the TV and blocked it with her oversized body. Is this what you've been doing all day? I couldn't help myself, Craig said. I just love watching Scarlett Johansson in that tight little costume. Her legs make me think of a Greek goddess. Oh yeah? countered Lorna. Her legs make me think of the Wilco out on Route 27. Open all night. Well, how, Lorna? Maybe if you'd stop treating Oreos like tokens and feeding them into your fat crack like a slot machine, you might fit into some tight britches. Seriously? You got the unmitigated gall to talk to me like that after I've been busting my hump to keep us afloat to your head heels? Craig's anger rose from his gut, through his heaving chest, and out his beer-drenched maw before he could think things through. You was the one who had to go N.W.A. on me. Heck, I thought I was being assaulted by Stone Cold Steve Austin in drag. Don't you feel any remorse? Lorna folded her arms across her ample chest and grinned with satisfaction. No, Craig, I don't feel no remorse. It's like the critics say, it was fun and delightful entertainment for the whole family. Craig realized that trying to garner sympathy from Lorna was like trying to restrain a pit bull at a preschool. Their relationship was a simple one. Whenever they argued, one of them always apologized. Then Lorna would say, Just don't let it happen again. And he'd get on with his life. Craig had long since given up on justice. Now he only wanted peace. These days, his idea of shaking his fist at the system had devolved into leaving the toilet seat up on purpose. Okay, Lorna, what is it you think I ought to be doing? I told you, I don't like the idea of us out here all alone. You were supposed to go find a guard dog from the pound. Craig had to admit he wouldn't mind having some company during his painful convalescence. Sometimes he felt lonelier than a spectator at a WNBA game. Also, he needed someone to serve as a buffer between his poor judgment and Lorna's perpetual hostility. And the dog would do just that. The consideration of the heinous acts for which he'd have plausible deniability intrigued him. Who left crumbs all over the sofa? Lorna would ask. Must have been the dog, he'd say. Who lobbed that noxious butt grenade in my direction? Uh, must have been the dog. Did you hear about that tragic earthquake in Japan? Must have been the dog. Why, the opportunities were endless. All right, all right, Craig said. I'll take care of it in the morning. That make you happy? Lorna relaxed. Yeah, that and a deep muscle massage by Channing Tatum, preferably without using his hands. Craig smirked. 
As Aerosmith would say, Dream on! Dream on! Lorna had to admit that Craig had scored with that one. Eyeing his head, she remarked, Looks like you've already taken care of your dinner. I'm gonna go defrost one of your Aunt Pauline's freeze-dried PBJs. Just then, the landline phone rang. I'll get it, Craig said. He held the receiver to the side of his face and listened intently. His eyes were dead and his voice ominous as he spoke to the caller. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for ransom, I can tell you, I don't have money. But what I do have is a very particular set of skills. Skills that I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Honey, it's your mama. Lorna stomped to the phone, cutting Craig with a look that made his testicles recede into his throat. Give me that phone, she barked, snatching the receiver from him and pressing it to her ear. Hi, Mama. What's up? Lorna listened for a moment. Yeah, Mama, I thought about your advice, but it's like I told you. They've made way too many advances in forensic science for me to get away with it. You can live out your MasterChef dream. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The next morning, Craig went to the local animal shelter to get a dog. Upon entering... A pungent combination of poop, piss, and pine saw flew up his nose, singeing its hair. The air was hot and sticky. A cacophony of many unsettled animals filled the cinder block building, their reverberations stabbing at Craig's eardrums in a high-frequency frenzy. A volunteer approached Craig. According to his ID tag, his name was Q-Bud. Hey there, he said. My name's Bud. The name's pronunciation perplexed Craig. It says on your tag that your name's Q-Bud. How do you get from there to just Bud? The Q is silent, he explained. So, what you looking for? We took in a few cats recently. We're running a special if you're interested. No, thanks, Craig said. I never much care for cats. Every time I see one, I think about kicking a 40-yarder to send the game into overtime. Bud nodded to show he got it. Okie doke. Well, let's head down here where the dogs are at. Craig paused at the cage of a listless lump that looked as though he had settled into retirement. Well, who's this old milky-eyed bastard? He inquired. Some giggly high school gals who volunteer on the weekends named them Mac. 
Bud said. Why they call him Mike? The question annoyed Bud. Because the roadies like to test them at sound checks. How the heck should I know? Are you interested in the old boy or not? Nah, I don't want no dog that won't outlive the batteries in my smoke detector. All right, then. Let's check out some other contestants, Bud said, motioning Craig further down the aisle. Craig inspected some other prospects along the narrow corridor, stopping at the cage of a Doberman pincher. Who's this? Uh, you probably don't want that one. Why not? Well, we calls him Sir Humps-a-Lot. Craig winced at what that entailed. Enough said. Two cages down, Craig discovered a large brown mixed breed he thought might have some potential. What'd y'all name this fella? That's Dookie. The insensitive remark bothered Craig. Why in the world would you call him something like that? Two reasons. First off, he's all brown. Well, what's the second reason? Bud chuckled. <laughs> you just stepped in it. <laughs> Dang it! Craig yelled. Bud handed him a pencil to scrape the mess out of the tracks of his sneaker. Then they continued down the road before stopping at another kennel. This dog was a stocky, well-muscled pit bull. He was white with small flecks of black that dotted him like fleas. His bold, shark-like eyes seemed to say, Come on in. I can use the snack. Bud noticed Craig's interest. Oh, I can see you're a man of style and sophistication. Your Metallica t-shirt tells the story of your manly manliness. My friend, let me introduce you to one of our finer dogs. Meet El Superbo. The dog's formidability impressed Craig. He looks fairly dangerous. How's he do around people? Well, I'll tell you. He's a lot like my Uncle Bobby. White, stupid, and not allowed within a hundred feet of a park or a schoolhouse. You might also be interested to know he's a devout Baptist. The odd admission caught Craig off guard. Well, that's weird. Sure is. We always took him for a Methodist. Though the dog intrigued Craig, he was uncertain about the selection. His face belied deep thought. Bud was weary of Craig's hesitation. Tapping his foot, he said, Come on, Chief, decide something. Stats show that indecision is the number one killer of squirrels. Craig could well imagine Lorna's response to El Superbo. Much like on their honeymoon, she'd be disappointed and miserable. But after weighing Lorna's potential unhappiness, Craig smiled and announced to the world, I'll take him. Craig wanted the dog to make the best impression possible on Lorna, so he stopped by PetSmart to find something eye-catching to dress him in. It surprised and distressed him to find the store closed. There was a handwritten sign taped to the entrance. Dear customers, due to a general lack of interest on our part, we closed early. Please come again if you feel compelled. Sincerely, the staff. Well, I never, Craig said in exasperation. Then he noticed a party express across the street. A costume might do the trick, he thought. Returning to his truck, he found El Superbo sitting in the driver's seat. Craig opened the creaky door and scolded the dog. Move over, I'm driving. Once he settled the disagreement, 
Craig drove across the street to the only port in the storm, with costume ideas bouncing around in his head like a cat in a clothes dryer. By the time Craig returned to the trailer, he had adorned El Superbo in a jaunty sombrero and a pair of Dora the Explorer sunglasses. Unfortunately, the dog ate the sunglasses and went about the business of giving Dookie a run for his money. Craig retched each time he attempted to clean up the runny poo with a paper towel. Then he recalled watching a crime show where a coroner had smeared a dab of Vicks vapor rub under their nostrils to keep the stench of a waterlogged corpse away. He hurried to the bathroom and removed the jar from the medicine cabinet, spreading enough to sting his retinas. The remedy worked well enough for Craig to finish with the mess. However, the cheap Chinese plastic in the sunglasses continued wreaking havoc with El Superbo's digestive tract. He staggered through the trailer, firing from both ends. The funk was so overwhelming, Craig had to go to the shed and bring back a large industrial fan to dissipate the noxious fumes. As soon as Lorna returned home, she stepped into the trailer and came to an abrupt stop. Her reddened face was a display of surprise and alarm. Despite the 70-knot winds from the commercial-grade fan, El Superbo's fragrant offering had her swaying on her feet. As her eyes glazed over, she grabbed a hold of the threshold to steady herself. My God, the humanity! What's that smell? Did Aunt Polly freeze-dried donkey's turd cutter? Meanwhile, Craig was jogging through the trailer, frantically puffing on a cigar as he fought through the fine methane mist. He looked like a shaman blowing on a clump of burning sage to rid a cursed dwelling of demonic forces. He was doing his best to mitigate the product of the dog's overburdened bowels, but hope was proven elusive. Lorna swooned as she struggled to breathe. Somebody help me. I can't feel my extremities. Craig went to her aid, fearful of her unrighteous wrath, the cheap cigar dangling from his trembling lips. Uh, now, Lorna, sweetie, don't go getting bent out of shape. Y you wanted a dog for protection, and I got us a dandy. Just wait till you meet him. Craig whistled, and El Superbo trotted from the back of the trailer, barking. It was then Craig discovered a flaw that Bud had forgotten to mention. The dog was dyslexic. Upon seeing Lorna, he barked louder. Wow, bow. Wow, bow. Much like El Superbo's hindquarters, Lorna was fuming. Craig, what in the name of Chester the Gator did you go out and do? Is it him stinking up the place? He must be dying. I know I am. Babe, this here is El Superbo, Craig announced with an air of pride. The feller down at the pound assured me he's a stone-cold killer. You know, like you, but without the toaster. Look, the smell will go away soon enough. I got my senior puffy cigars to help drive out the stink. Lorna winced, fanning the air in front of her. <laughs> Them nasty things smell worse than the farts. Quit sucking on that oversized monkey turd and get that stupid dog out of this trailer before I strike a match and blow us all to hell just to end our misery. Like a good soldier, Craig led El Superbo outside. The defiled animal followed Craig around as if it was Lizzo and Craig was a cupcake. Craig sucked the last of the life out of the sickly cigar and flicked it into the yard. He looked at the dog and issued a directive. 
You stay here. Understand? Let us know if anybody comes creeping around. Here's a tip. If you see something, just bark backward. You think you got it? Wow bow, wow bow, barked the damaged dog. Craig sighed. <sighs> Close enough, I reckon. He patted the pooch on the head and returned to the trailer. He should have stuck around. El Superbo was sniffing around the yard when he detected the scent of the discarded stogie. He trotted to it and grabbed it in his mouth, making himself look like a backstreet bookie in a cheap fur coat. He took a few shallow puffs on the stubby butt and felt lightheaded. Eating his crap wasn't a problem for him. Sniffing another animal's rectum didn't faze him. But dragging on the senior puffy left him feeling queasy and disoriented. After making the executive decision to return the nasty object to its rightful owner, the dyslexic dog sauntered into the trailer. Lorna and Craig were in the middle of a discussion about contacting the EPA when they noticed El Superbo sitting near the doorway, a moist cigar butt clutched in his mouth. They turned off the fan, but there was still some residual gas. Craig and Lorna grew concerned. Don't move, Craig warned Lorna. All it'd take is a dropped ash to set him off. Lorna was trying to remain calm. I think we're safe. The fan cleared out most of the fumes, as long as he don't. El Superbo lifted one of his butt cheeks. No! The noise sounded like a tuba hitting a low E in a train tunnel. A red and yellow fireball erupted from El Superbo's angry rear, propelling him a foot off the floor. Houston, we have liftoff! Craig declared. El Superbo's rectal explosion blew a hole in the drop ceiling and set the carpet underneath them on fire. In addition, the shockwave from the violent blast caused the front end of the trailer to slide off its cinder block foundation and drop into the yard. The sudden shift caused everything inside to slide toward the lowest point. Lorna squealed as she hung from the window jam like Quint struggling to avoid being eaten by Jaws. The tumbling furniture reminded Craig of the chaotic scene on the deck of the Titanic just before it sank. As he slid helplessly past Lorna, he solemnly remarked, Ma'am, it has been a privilege playing with you tonight. Once the disaster was over and they steadied themselves, Craig chased a fur-covered flamethrower from the trailer. Then he stomped out the floor while Lorna threw a flower pot through the living room window to bring in some fresh air. Once the blaze was under control, they assessed the damage. Ooh-wee! Lorna chirped. That carpet's a goner for sure. Craig, ever the optimist, said, Look on the bright side, sugar. What bright side, stupid? He directed Lorna's attention to the ceiling. You finally got that skylight you always wanted. The insurance adjuster surveyed the damage, making marks on a form attached to his worn wooden clipboard. Well, Craig asked him, What kind of reimbursement we looking at here? The adjuster stroked his chin and thought, Well, let's see. Why don't we just mark your place down as being totaled? That way I can give you the full trailer's worth rather than the cost of repair. Craig glowed with joy. Really? That's amazing. No problemo, the adjuster said. He reached into his wallet, retrieved a 20, and handed it to Craig. Yeah, 
Keep the change. <laughs> the adjuster found the quip amusing. Lorna did not. She pressed her nose within an inch of the adjuster's face. Hey, bastard son of Larry the Cable Guy. You better go back to your office and look for a crapload of other 20s. Otherwise, you're going to be wearing your bunghole for a headband. The adjuster, his name for the record being Bill Ward, blanched. Lorna's cold, lazy eye had him shaking more than Barney Fife sitting on a paint mixer. Yes, ma'am, Mrs. Wankamoff, he stammered. I'll get right on that. His promise of superior service did not appease Lorna. Quit stuttering, you stupid jackass, or do I need to put a penny on your head to make you stop skipping? Now get on out of here before I take this straight razor out of my sock and swing at you till there ain't nothing left but a pile of crap and a cheap pair of Walmart loafers. Yes, ma'am. I'll be on my way then. As the adjuster crop dusted their driveway on his hasty retreat to safety, Lorna turned her heated gaze to Craig. Congratulations, Craig. In the last 24 hours, you've managed to piss off my mama, adopt some old stupid mutt stuck in reverse, and nearly burn our mobile home down to the hubcaps. Any thoughts, suggestions, or zesty Cajun recipes you'd like to share? Craig felt defensive. I don't know how many times I can say I'm sorry, Lorna. You can't possibly think that I planned for all this to happen. Despite her anger, Lorna had to admit that Craig had done the best he could to ease her fears ever since the chair incident. She took a few calming breaths before speaking. Sorry, hun. She cooed. You still have redeeming qualities I love. <laughs> like what? Craig asked, sulking. Lorna had to give that one thought. She expressed the best sentiment she could. You're a colossal screw-up, but at least you're consistent. And to be honest, if I or anybody else had done what you did, we'd look like morons too. Craig figured it was the best he was going to get out of Lorna. Y you mean that, hun? Lorna's eyes softened as she flashed him a gentle smile. I do, honey bear. I really do. The moment passed and Craig turned his meager mind to the problem at hand. Guess we need to figure out what we're going to do for lodging while we wait on the trailer to get fixed. I can always ask Uncle Ted if we could just pitch a tent in his backyard behind his stalker shrine to Keanu Reeves. Lorna pondered the idea. I think I might be able to do us one better. Merlene's got an extra bedroom since her youngins moved out. She might be open to renting it. Craig was uneasy at the suggestion. I don't much care for her. Didn't the children leave because the therapist from social services said she was a sociopath with severe hygiene issues? You're thinking of that teacher down at the Catholic school, Our Lady of Perpetual Whining. Merlene's youngins left to go live with their daddy out in Colorado. He's the one who runs a treatment center for people addicted to eating rubber. Oh, yeah, Craig said approvingly. He's done some fine work with them folks. Tyrone down at the taxidermy shop went out there. He got hooked early on with the small stuff like pencil erasers and doorstops. But before he knowed what was happening... He had already graduated to plungers and Playtex gloves. From there, it was just a hop, skip, and a jump to Frisbees, which we all know is a gateway to basketballs. When he ended up face down and naked in a cornfield after eating the tires off a tractor, he knew he'd hit rock bottom. Dom, his boss, says he's been clean for 10 months, but I heard he recently relapsed. 
Oh, what a shame. What happened? To celebrate his recovery, Dom sent him a gift he thought he might like. What in the world was it? Craig frowned. A rubber tree plant. Lorna was sorry that she had brought the whole thing up. As her mind boomeranged back to their residential issues, Lorna became discouraged. She and Craig had already shot down the few roommate opportunities they had. Then she had a dark, desperate thought. She took a moment to form the argument she was about to make. It would disturb Craig, but she didn't know of any other viable solution. They needed a place to live, and they needed one ASAP. But to accomplish that, they'd have to turn to a man Craig loathed, his father. Lorna figured since Craig's father was a widower who lived alone in the middle of nowhere, he could likely use someone to help him out. The plan might work. The fact was it had to work. All she needed to do was sell Craig on the idea. It wouldn't be easy. Craig's father was a tough man to love. He wasn't an odd bird. He was an odd pterodactyl. As the youngest son of a poor and uneducated Serbian goat ball handler, adversity hardened him. For years, he struggled to find his identity among his 12 siblings, 24 if you counted them twice. The children's only joyful experience came each year when the family gathered around the Christmas brick, singing songs from the Barry Manilow sexually ambiguous Christmas album and savoring delicious bowls of fresh steam. Food scarcity during the early years, Craig's father forced his family to eat a diet of pine cones and saliva, most of it their own. His proud folks dreamed of the day they could move out of the rundown cabin they timeshared with a vegetarian cult known as the Greenfingers. When he turned 15, to escape his life of poverty and despair, Craig's father lied about his age and joined the army. He waged a fierce battle in the steamy jungles of downtown Granada, in which he single-handedly killed or severely injured several soldiers. Unfortunately, they were soldiers from his company. Unable to convince him to defect, the army issued him a pair of glasses along with an A for effort and discharged him on the grounds of national security. Besides learning the importance of having his facts straight before acting, Craig's father gained another component from the military that is essential for the complete man, discipline. A stickler for protocol, he insisted that Craig and his siblings refer to him as Mr. Father. Craig couldn't wait to get away from the strange and toxic relationship. He remembered when he was 18 and leaving home for good. He asked his father if he had any pearls of wisdom that he'd like to offer him based on his life experiences. Mr. Father put his strong, calloused hands on Craig's shoulder, cracked a wry smile, and said, Wherever you go in life, never, ever forget the floss. That, in a nutshell, was Craig's father, a man of pride, strength, and fabulous gums. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Craig was pale and rattled. He didn't like it when Lorna drove. She talked a lot, which led to her being distracted. He trembled at the horrific memories of some of the more terrifying moments he'd endured from the seat he was currently occupying. Ooh, look over there, she had once said, ignoring the road before her. That blue house is the same shade that Mama wants to paint her. Oh, for pity's sake, will you quit crying? And don't think I didn't hear you praying under your breath earlier. Speaking of which, that better be the last time you holler school bus, school bus at me. Craig turned his mind to the so-called solution that Lorna had concocted. I just want to go on record again by saying this is a bad idea. You know Mr. Father and me don't get along. I ain't spoke to him in years. Since Mrs. Ma passed, he just stays out there in the woods in that beat-up old cabin of his getting drunk and making pornographic origami figurines based on the Kama Sutra. Lorna smiled at the remark. I still remember the number 16 position he sent us that one Christmas. It was so thoughtful. Craig took exception. Thoughtful my butt. I didn't think they'd ever take that rod out of my spine after you insisted we try it. Oh, no you don't. I told you to stretch, hydrate, and use the recommended 4W motor oil. But did you listen? No. Well, let's not get sidetracked here. The point I'm trying to make is that we haven't contacted him. He ain't got no phone or computer. He might not take well to us just showing up on his doorstep unannounced. Besides, I told you he's weird. Well, seeing as how I've never met him, I'm going to withhold my judgment. Craig stared out the window at the trees moving past them. Don't say I didn't warn you, he mumbled. Lorna took a beat before advancing the conversation. She had already pushed Craig past his comfort level on the plan. Craig, I know you're upset, but we don't got no place else to go. And since you refuse to return Firestarter back there to the pound, that narrows our options even more. Look, I know you and your daddy- Mr. Father, Craig interjected for accuracy's sake. I stand corrected, Mr. Father. Anyhow, 
Don't you think that all that time out there alone in them woods has forced him into reevaluating his past choices? Particularly the hurtful ones. Craig let Lorna's words sink in. Who knew? Maybe she was on to something. He remembered Clause 37, Section B of their marriage agreement, which stated that in all areas of conflict, she would be the only party deemed to be correct. Fine, Lorna, he said in surrender. You win. Heck, what's the worst that could happen? Craig and Lorna drove for what felt like an eternity down a pock-filled dirt road that ran deep into the forbidden woods. Despite the poor condition of the rutted road, Lorna drove as if she were on the Autobahn, sending El Superbo and everything else in the truck bed into zero gravity with every violent bounce. The intrusive tree limbs lining the thin stretch of road were bitch-slapping them, causing them to roll up the truck's grimy windows. Craig cringed every time the scraggly pines scraped their wooden fingers along the side of his prized truck. Them stupid limbs are gonna scratch the pain off the side of my baby boy, Craig complained. Lorna shook her head, tisk-tisking his concern. I hope not. The paint's all that's holding this piece of crap together. So how much longer do we have to go before we get to this cabin? Can't say for sure. I ain't been there in forever. Just keep going. Like everything else, it's gotta be somewhere. Soon the road curved to the left and they saw a clearing with a log cabin in the distance. The years of hateful weather had blanched its logs, making the chink dry and crumbly. A sagging roof saturated with damp green moss covered a small porch that held a rocking chair and a stack of rotten cordwood. Lorna parked the truck and killed the engine, but given its poor condition, it was more like a slow strangulation. Let's get this over with, grumbled Craig. Fed up with Craig's wine and Lorna sarcastically announced, Ladies and gentlemen, fresh off her Tony Award-winning turn as Trixie, the hooker with a heart of gold, I give you Miss Craig Wankamoff. And so it begins, thought Craig. He stepped out of the truck and waited for Lorna to join him. El Superbo remained in the truck bed, using his spit as a soothing salve as he licked his toasted buns like a lollipop. Craig looked at the riggedy cabin, wishing they had sold a kidney or some blood plasma, and checked into a no-tell motel. Lorna noted his disposition. Come on, Craig. How bad can this be? The first shot pinged off Craig's unofficial Calgary rodeo belt buckle, taking off the tip of the Marlboro light that Lorna was smoking. Land of Goshen, we're taking fire! She yelled. El Superbo stopped licking his scorched bottom and flew out of the truck bed like a kitten from a catapult. Craig sprinted toward a small crop of trees while Lorna ran to the driver's side of the truck and ducked down, her eyes the size of frisbees. There were two loud pops followed by hisses of air as two truck tires collapsed. Another round took off the side view mirror over Lorna's head, startling her so much that she almost swallowed the clipped remains of her cigarette. Hunker down, Lorna! Craig hollered from the sheltering trees. This'll be over soon! How do you know when it'll be over? Lorna screeched. Cause he's a cheap SOB! He only buys bullets six at a time, and he's already shot four! Lorna had no interest in waiting out the elderly sniper. Mr. Father, it's me, Lorna! I'm here with Craig! I'd be obliged if you'd put down the gun! 
However, if you feel compelled to fire them last two rounds, try to aim for Craig. Unlike him, people would miss me. Craig pouted. Well, that ain't a very kind thing to say. Your words wound me in a way that no bullet ever could. Lorna shouted in the cabin's direction again. Mr. Father, if you can hear me, Craig just confirmed that he prefers to be shot rather than hearing my insults. And I can assure you, there is no way my insults will ever lose their entertainment value. So you might as well take them out now. Craig's heart dropped to his belly. Lorna, is that how you really feel about all this? Lorna thought for a couple of seconds before reacting. You're right, honey. I didn't think this all the way through. She raised her head over the hood of the truck and added, Since you got two more rounds there, make sure you kill the dog too. The woods fell silent except for Craig's whimpering. Shush, be quiet, Lorna said to him. A voice from the cabin cried out, Boy, is that really you out there? Craig hugged the bottom of the sycamore tree tightly, remaining silent and motionless. He looked up at the rusty sign nailed to the tree that read, Smile, Jesus loves you. Lorna glared in his direction. Craig, will you please answer him? We might be through the worst of this. Just say something. Heck, say anything. Craig eased away from the tree trunk and stood to his full height of five foot four. He coughed, hoping to clear the fear in his voice. <laughs> it's me, Mr. Father. It's Craig. Seconds passed. Then, what you doing way out here, boy? We're in a bad way. Me and Lorna just lost our home to an unforeseen act of God. The excuse angered Lorna, prompting her to say, How do you define unforeseen, Craig? Oh, I forgot. The Spanish word for unforeseen is Senor Puffy. Lorna, just let me handle this one, okay? Craig continued the awkward negotiation with Mr. Father. Look, I know we got some bad history, but I am your son, and you are my father. I need you. Will you help us? Please? Sorry, boy. I'd like to help you, but for Lent this year, I gave up giving a crap. Lorna had had enough. Listen, you old coot, she snarled. In case you don't remember, I'm the charitable soul who took this idiot son off your hands, so you better drop that two to yours right now. You tell him, babe, Craig said. Shut up, you little dung drip, fired Lorna. Then, picking up where she left off, shouted, Anyhow, we've had a major setback. We lost our only home we've ever known together. You may think you're a lone wolf, but even a lone wolf belongs to a pack. She turned to Craig. That reminds me, I need a new pack of Marlboro Lights. He took out my last smoke. She resumed her speech. What I'm trying to say is... The door to the cabin opened and a thin man with a gray scruffy beard and bent eyeglasses stepped out onto the drooping porch. In a nonchalant tone, he said, Sounds cool. Come on in. Lorna and Craig stared at each other, confused by the sudden change of heart. Lorna spoke for both of them when she said, Well, hell's bells on an Easter bonnet. If that's all it took, I'd have just sent him a pick-me-up bouquet. Craig and Lorna sat on one side of the small kitchen table facing Mr. Father. Lorna could sense his strength, his resolve. 
his musk. Especially the musk. It was tear-inducing. The old man had crammed the place with boxes of items that were about as useless as a gun training manual for Alec Baldwin. Long, dusty cobwebs decorated the corners of the tiny room. Dirty laundry lay strewn across the worn-out floor around an old cot. The place smelled sour and musty. It was as if Renews it was test marketing a new air freshener called Summer Feet. Mr. Father kicked things off. Sorry I gave y'all such a bad greeting. Them daggum land developers have been after me for months to sell my land. They've been buying up all the acreage around here from snot-nosed suburbanites who can't wait to get rid of the land their parents left them. Anyhow, what say we take it from the top? Then looking at Lorna said, So, this here's the missus, hmm. You definitely married up, boy. A to the men, agreed Lorna. So, Mr. Father, Craig said, what you think about our proposal? We'll clean the place up, keep some wood chopped, and make sure you eat right. In return, you let us stay with you get a spell. That ain't such a good idea, Mr. Father said. It wouldn't be safe for you. He had Craig's full attention. What's that supposed to mean? Uh, a few months ago, I kept getting woke up by something pushing through the brush around the cabin. Uh, I figured it was probably just a deer, a possum, or maybe a Jehovah's Witness. Lorna broke in. Seriously? A Jehovah's Witness? Oh, yeah. They've been seen in these woods a lot ever since the Mormons moved on. I got some pamphlets in the kitchen if y'all are interested. We're good, thanks, Craig said. Tell us about the noises. Mr. Father became solemn. He tried not to let his uneasiness show, but there was so much of it it bled through just the same. <sighs> One morning... I ventured into the woods to look for whatever was making that noise, but I found Bupkis. Yeah. About a week later, the sounds returned. I went out on the porch looking and listening. I seen something moving around in the woods about 30 yards out. It was dark and bulky. I couldn't quite make out what it was. I figured it might help to take a snapshot. So I ran inside and grabbed my old Polaroid camera. When the thing walked between some trees, I snapped its picture. The flash must have startled it because it high-tilted back into the woods. Mm. Did you ever see it again? Lorna asked. Hmm, the next evening, it came back. This time, the sound was closer. I stepped out onto the porch, and there it was. It moved in about ten yards, so I was able to get a better look at it. The story entranced Craig. What it looked like? It was big. It walked upright like a human, Mr. Father replied. 
I snapped another picture, and it took off again. Lorna, who was uncharacteristically quiet, broke the silence. I'm guessing it came back? Yep. It took a few days before it showed itself again. I happened to glance out that window over there and saw it plain as day. By now, it was within a rock-throwing distance. I seen it as clearly as I'm seeing y'all right now. It had an odd appearance. Something between a man and a bear. I had the camera handy, so I shot another picture. I expected the flash to scare it off again, but it stood its ground and stared at me. Hmm. That time, I was the one who was ready to skedaddle. Sounds like it was getting braver, Craig said. Uh-huh, said Mr. Father, nodding his head in agreement. That's when it occurred to me that this thing might be studying me, stalking me. You know, like a predator tracks its prey. I believe it was being strategic. At least that's my theory. <laughs> Although Lorna told herself the old man was probably one Steve Perry away from a journey reunion, she couldn't help but wonder if what he had said had happened might be real. Every wood had its legend. She figured he was a howling loon, or he was onto something sinister. She wanted to decide before they pitched a tent behind the house of a lunatic with a Jehovah Witness problem. Are you sure it ain't just a curious bear wandering aimlessly? Sides, even if it's a boogeyman, what makes you think he's after you? Though insulted by Lorna's implications, Mr. Father kept his composure. Otherwise, he'd appear a crackpot conspiracy theorist. Far enough, he said. He rose from his chair and walked to a worn-out trunk at the foot of the cot. He opened it, moved some items around, and retrieved a manila folder. He brought it to the table and sat. What's in the folder? The proof. Of the creature? No, Lorna, that the Pope wears a thong. Of course it's the dang creature. Well, let's see it, Craig said. Mr. Father drummed his fingers on the folder in front of him. He wanted to frame his case convincingly, rationally, sanely. When he was ready, he opened the folder, flipped through a few sheets of handwritten notes, and removed three snapshots. I remind you, I took these pictures from the cabin over several nights. The positions prove that he's been taking his time getting to know me. That makes him a thinker and a planner. It's what makes him dangerous. I want to believe you, Craig said with a hint of skepticism. But how can you be so sure about all this? Mr. Father stroked his beard. Look at these in order and tell me what you think. He handed the pics to Craig, who shared them with Lorna. The first photo was fuzzy and difficult to make out, 
It displayed a dark image far off in the distance, obscured by thick trees in the gloaming. The second one showed a large human-like figure. It was several yards out, but nearer to the cabin. In the third photo, the form moved much closer. As Mr. Father had said, it looked like a cross between a person and a large animal. But even at a shorter distance, it was difficult to make out what the odd figure was. Lorna cocked an eyebrow in suspicion. These are creepy, all right. But if it got so close, why didn't you just shoot it? <laughs> Seriously, Lorna? Craig snickered. You seen the way he shoots? Heck, Ray Charles would have a better chance of hitting a target. I didn't shoot it because it likely take more than bullets to kill this monster, Mr. Father said. He pulled the last photo from the folder. His movements were slow and delicate, as if he were removing a bomb. It showed up a few nights ago, he said in an ominous tone. <sighs> this here, the final Polaroid I took of that thing. It'll prove that it's been closing in on me. What I'm about to show you is not theoretical. It was standing not twenty feet from that front door. I keep this picture locked away because if I left it out to look at it regularly, I might go mad. I'm going to show it to you two now, but I warn you, some things you can never unsee. He dropped the photo on the table. Craig and Lorna gasped. The image was sharp and unmistakable. It sure as heck wasn't a Jehovah's Witness. The being was probably seven feet tall and change. Its sagging skin was gray and mottled. Long stringy hair partially concealed a face that was an abomination of nature. Its eyes burned bright yellow. Its nose was long and hooked. And its mouth, its awful mouth, was a twisted maul of thin red fangs at least two inches long. Craig hoped he'd never end up in hell, but if he did, this demon would lurk in its darkest corners or crawl from its deepest pits. Though typically stoic, the photo made Lorna fearful. But before giving in to blind panic, she wanted to be sure the pictures were genuine. Let's say for the sake of argument that this thing's real. How do we know you ain't yanking our chain about it standing just outside your cabin? Maybe you're just trying to beef up your story for goofs and giggles. You could have snuck up on it and taken this photo from anywhere. A knowing grin stretched across Mr. Father's bearded, weathered face. <laughs> Look carefully at the woods right behind that creature and tell me what you see. Dear Lord, Craig said as he and Lorna looked with terror upon the rusty metal sign on the sycamore tree that read, Smile, Jesus Loves You. Craig and Lorna sprang from the table, thanked Mr. Father kindly for his time, then beat a hasty retreat to the truck only to be reminded that it had been plugged more times than a hooker at a hardware convention. 
Craig threw his head back, grunting in exasperation. Would you just look at what you done, Mr. Father? Now we're all screwed. And to top it off, Lorna added, it's starting to get dark out. Everybody hold their water, Mr. Father said. We don't have time to argue. Let's get back inside and buttress the doors and windows. Tonight might be the night. It comes for me. Craig couldn't help getting in another dig at Mr. Father. Good thing we got plenty of ammo, huh, Mr. Father? He said in a snarky tone. Oh, that's right. You used it all on us. Okay. Mistakes were made. The only thing now is to keep ourselves safe. As opposed to what? Smearing our privates with sorghum and yelling soup song? Lorna's fear vanished in the face of the two dimwits arguing. Both y'all shut up. We still might have an ace in the hole. Craig, go find El Superbo. Dogs are good at protecting their owners. He might scare that thing off for good. If not, I might just have what's known as a cunning plan. After hearing Lorna's strategy, Craig was again in awe of her brilliance. Right now, baby, I'd eat ice cream out of your butt crack. Mr. Father teared up. I think that's the sweetest thing I ever heard a man say to a woman. <laughs> I wish Mrs. Ma were here. I'd say that same thing to her. Lorna rolled her eyes. Lord, take me now. Anything's better than dying with these two idiots. All right already, Craig said impatiently. I'll go fetch El Superbo. He can't have gotten far. Craig ran to the edge of the woods, calling for the dog. He was relieved a short time later when he heard Wow Bow, Wow Bow in the distance. Soon, he, the flatulent mud, and the others settled themselves inside the cabin. About an hour into their vigil, El Superbo raised his hackles and emitted a low, guttural growl. Terror was on its way. Darkness shrouded the cabin where they sat, nervous and expectant. Craig and Lorna jumped at the sound of Mr. Father's voice. Steady, y'all, he said. If it's gonna make a play, it's gonna be soon. The noise of the bushes and trees rustling close to their fortress gave them a warning of the terrible monster's approach. El Superbo growled louder at the encroaching sound. Lorna covered her mouth, her heart pounding in her chest as she tried to silence her terrified breath. Mr. Father was a statue, his body tense, as he clenched his large bowie knife tightly in his moist grasp. He hoped that some of his combat training would come in handy now that he knew which enemy to attack. Craig held his breath. Being nearest to El Superbo, he wanted to be ready for any unauthorized emissions. Heavy, shuffling steps grew closer. Now they were on the porch. The heartbeats of the cabin's occupants were thumping like a drumline. It didn't ease anyone's fear when El Superbo, a large, imposing canine, hid and whimpered. Lorna shook her head, frowning at the dog's cowardice. Okay, boys. Plan B it is. The doorknob twisted quickly back and forth. 
The chairs bracing the door thudded as the monster attempted to force its way inside. All right, everybody into position. Lorna instructed her team. Come on, boy, Craig said to Elsa Perbo. The frightened pooch wanted nothing to do with the battle plan. He remained hidden under the cot, shivering in fright. Lorna roared at him. Get your sorry flaming butt out of here, you useless sack of snot, or I'll neuter you with a daggum butter knife. Elsa Perbo realized that there were more terrifying things in the world than ravenous beasts. He reluctantly crawled from the safety of the cot and plodded towards Craig. Welcome to my world, amigo, Craig told him. Then he positioned the dog's volatile rear towards the door like a hairy howitzer. He removed his Harley Davidson lighter from his pocket, flipped open the lid, and waited for further orders. Lorna turned her attention to the personnel in her company. Mr. Father, did you feed him that freeze-dried oyster and raisin casserole I gave you? Mr. Father gave her a thumbs up. Aye, aye, ma'am. Weapons loaded, he assured her before taking his place next to Craig. The thing on the porch grunted as it pushed against the weakened door. Lorna's muscles tensed. Everybody get set. It won't be long now. The front door cracked nearly in half as the hulking monster burst into the room. Now! Lorna screamed. Mr. Father blew hard into Elsa Perbo's mouth while Craig lifted his tail and flicked the lighter. Oh no! Craig shouted. The thing won't lie! It must be out of fluid! The beast loomed over them, roaring and waving its massive arms. Despite his terror, Craig noticed a box of long stem matches on the fireplace mantle to Lorna's right. Lorna, quick! Give me a match! He yelled in alarm. Sure thing! How about your face in the baboon's ass? Lorna! Her underling screamed. All right. She snapped. She grabbed the box of matches, pulled one out, and tossed it to Craig, who dropped it. Hurry, son! Craig held up Elsa Perbo's tail with his left hand while scrambling for the match with his right. The monster went for Mr. Father, its intended target. Without a second to spare, Lorna pulled another match from the box and joined Craig on the floor. Craig aimed the dog's butt cannon in the beast's direction as Lorna struck the match against the wood floor. Light him up, baby! Craig yelled. Then he pushed the dog's stomach as Lorna held the lit match to the dog's barrel. Fire in the hole! A bright veil of flames engulfed the malevolent creature. It thrashed about, howling and knocking over furniture. It fled from the cabin and fell to the ground, screaming and writhing in agony. Put me out! This wasn't part of the deal! It hollered. Holy crap! Craig, put him out! Put him out! Craig ran to the side of the porch, removed the hose, and turned on the spigot. Within seconds, he had extinguished the flames. The air stank of burning hair and plastic. The groaning creature lay still. Lorna stood over the toasted beast. What are you? Better yet, who are you? The figure pushed itself up to a sitting position. <sighs> it moaned. The small group gasped as the thing pulled off its head, exposing a man in what now looked like a costume. Lorna stood over the stranger with her hands on her hips and murder in her lazy eye. You better tell me what this is about right now, Mr. Man, 
Otherwise, I'm going to kick you between your legs so hard, you'll be able to harmonize with the Bee Gees. No, wait, the stranger begged. <sighs> Shugan Brothers Builder sent me here to scare the old man into selling his property. They gave me $2,000 and pointed me in this direction. Now, please, I need to go to the hospital. I'm pretty sure my balls should not be bubbling. It turned out the demon from the bowels of hell was an oversized brick mason named Frank Schillenberg. His bosses, Ron, Bill, and Walter Shugan, were the brain trust behind the scheme. The authorities arrested them all and charged them with a wide variety of felonies. Thankfully, Mr. Father's cabin had only suffered minor damages, an easy fix. Craig and Lorna set up their campground directly behind the place before packing it away a few weeks later. Craig and his father used the time to strengthen their relationship. They look like an old gay couple, Lorna thought with amusement and appreciation. With the two flat tires patched up, Craig and Lorna were ready to ride. I don't know how to thank y'all for your help, Mr. Father said. If it hadn't been for you two meddling youngsters and your big goofy dog, I don't think this spooky mystery would have ever been solved. Lorna felt humbled. Craig was considering the commercial possibilities. You know, this entire episode might make for an interesting TV show. Lorna was skeptical. I don't know about that. I don't think it'd ever catch on. Mr. Father mused for a moment, then said to Craig, This whole thing has made me realize I was way too hard on you and your brothers and sisters. I want us to be closer as a family, so no more of this Mr. Father business. From now on, I'm just plain old Mr. Dad. Craig pushed a lump in his throat back down to his healing heart. Thank you, Mr. Dad. You're welcome, son. It's been a blessing to have you and Lorna here. Craig smiled, went to the truck, and helped Lorna load their gear. He stopped at the sound of Mr. Dad's voice. Hey, son. Yes, sir. Mr. Dad wrestled with a lump in his own throat as he declared, Don't forget the flowers. Craig let the love wash over him, cleansing him of his resentment and filling him with an unrelenting love for the man with fabulous gums. Then beaming, he said, There'll be no Mr. Gingivitis on my watch, sir. Mr. Dad nodded his proud approval and entered the quiet of his rustic den like a wolf returning from a hunt with his newfound pack. Craig looked at Lorna, who met his bright gaze and said, God, you two are stupid. And that was Craig's Creature by author P.D. Williams, a reminder never to waste a good fart. A little about the author. P.D. Williams is an author, composer, and musician. His works have appeared in many publications and podcasts, 
Yet, he remains a humble man of the people. He freely admits that he is not a god, merely godlike. He is currently working on a musical comedy based on the Hindenburg. Please feel free to visit him at pdwilliamsauthor.com as he has to justify the expense of maintaining a website. Many thanks to all his supporters and to all the ships at sea. Thanks, PD. And do old Drew Blood a favor, would you? Subscribe to his podcast wherever you do your listening and leave him a five-star review and a kind word, even if you're listening on YouTube. He needs soldiers on all fronts to win this battle, and he appreciates it. To hear a premium ad-free edition of tonight's and all the other episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click Patrons in the upper menu. You'll find yourself at ChillinTalesForDarkNights.com where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to their entire audio archive, all ad-free and available to download or stream. Thank you for your time and for supporting our sponsors. When you support our sponsors, you support this show. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all the latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with them each and every week. Oh, and you can find Drew Blood on Facebook and Instagram, and sometimes Twitter. The Drew Blood's Dark Tales podcast is accepting submissions, friend. If you've got a story or two you'd like to be featured on the show, send it to drewbloodhorror at gmail.com. If selected, you'll get the full treatment, 10 bananas. Well, I'm afraid this is where we part ways, at least till next week. So grab a drink for the road, friend. Bring the fancy glass with you. You don't want to get caught drinking out of the bottle like some plebeian. I'd like to take the time to say hi to a couple listeners of the show. Brian and Anna. They're a married couple. Hey, Brian. Hey, Anna. Hope y'all are doing well. And also, I need to wish a very happy second birthday to a little pooch named Lily. Happy birthday, Lily. I hope you get a big bone for your birthday. Uh, that didn't sound the way I intended it to. So, Brian, Anna, and that little pooch Lily, may the wind be at your back, and may the road rise up to meet you. Y'all have a happy Easter, and since we'll be apart over the holiday, accept my preemptive, he has risen. And for those who just color eggs for the hell of it, go fuck yourselves. (laughs) Good night, y'all. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. 
Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.